everybody. Welcome to episode 386 of Good Luck High Five. That's right. You're listening to a podcast that's for you if you play Magic the Gathering, whether you are sitting at home and playing it or sitting at home and playing it. I'm one of your hosts, Maria. And I'm another one of your hosts, Megan. And on Why today's did I show... I say my name with so much excitement? It's always Megan. my name. I know. <laughs> it's yeah, a, on to- you know. Yep, I keep interrupting you. Are you going to do it again when I say it again? Yeah, yeah, go for it. And on today's show. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what? I can't say I didn't see it coming, really. (laughs) I don't think I would have. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) It never ends. It never ends. (laughs) That one was organic. And on today's show, we're going to talk about Corset 2021 because it's coming out on Arena on the 25th already, which is wild. That's this Thursday. Yeah, it really is this Thursday. The way time moves is incomprehensible to my brain. Yeah, that is true. That is 100% true. Time is a lie. And we've all been buying into it for a long time. And now it's making itself known. (laughs) But do you know what? Judge Rob is here today. Which is always so exciting um, because he has wonderful things to let us know ahead of time uh, heading into the pre-release so that we can all be prepared for the ways that things interact. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty stoked because this set does look actually really cool. Um, There's a lot of powerful stuff in it. Mm -hmm. And I'm just, you know, ready for, you know, my standard and my draft experience to get shaken up a little bit. Like I love Decoria, but let's let's shake it up a little bit. You know what I mean? Shake and bake it up i want to take all of m21 and coat my chicken with it (laughs) (laughs) but yeah we're gonna do that um we're also gonna name cutest and grossest card from the set because one Mm -hmm. rob's here the cuteness and the grossness comes out and it's a big honor or dishonor so get ready yeah Um, But before that happens, we have some people to thank. Chief amongst them are you, uh, the listeners and patrons especially of this show. Thank you so, so much for being part of our Patreon family. It really means so much to us, especially during a time of so much uncertainty, uh, when things are a real mess in the world sometimes. Yeah. Um, It is really, it's such a a wonderful thing for us to know that we're going to be able to keep bringing you this show. Yeah, thank you so much, everybody. You just all you gotta do is go over to patreon.com slash GLHF magic and pledge to support the show. You can throw a literal dollar a month our way, and it really makes a huge, huge difference. Um, because you get to become part of our community, you get access to our Discord and different rewards for different tier levels. Uh, but really the the bottom line is supporting things that you care about. And um it really matters to us that you support us and that we can keep uh, doing this show into the future um we're lucky to still be doing it during this time and we want to continue to be able to do it um through this time and on into the future i don't know why i said that so spookily but yeah i don't know but did you know there's going to be a full moon on halloween this year maybe that's why i said that spookily <laughs> wow that's so far ahead how do you already know, know. what the moon is because doing then <laughs> Like I called it. How do you already know what the moon is? What are you doing on Halloween? You're being full? Oh, okay, cool. See you there. Great, 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 great. Yeah, I saw some article about it because it only happens once in a blue moon, if you will. Um, I don't know. It was like something once in every 15 years or something like that. I don't know. So I thought it was kind of cool. But yeah. um, Yeah. I hear your cat. <laughs> yep, she's very loud. <laughs> she's excited for the full Halloween moon. She really is. She's like, I heard there's a full moon. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I'm going to look it up because I, I want to know how many years it is. Halloween moon 20. Oh, my gosh. I cannot spell. I put so many E's in Halloween, everybody. <laughs> how rare is a full moon on Halloween? Ooh. This is a how, whole article. How rare is it? How rare is it? <laughs> she just meows so much. She has so much to say to you. She has so much to say to me. Well, you know what, everybody? I will get into this soon, but like... 
I'll look at it during the... Are you laughing about how much the cat is meowing? Yes! (laughs) It's so funny. (laughs) It's so loud. It's so loud. Uh, Okay. I think it's even rarer. It's like a blue moon. It's a blue Halloween moon. So it is once in a blue moon, literally. Once every 19 years. Okay. So it's almost right. That's pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff. Um, uh, Yeah. But we also have to say thank you to Card Kingdom for being an awesome sponsor of our show. Yeah. There's a super great place to buy all of your magic stuff. Anything you need for playing at home or playing with your top-down system. Like Mm -hmm. um, just any magical accoutrement that you need um, for your life. Yeah. Accoutrement. You can go to cardkingdom.com slash GLHF and they'll send you whatever you need. Um, super fast shipping and they're super great people too. So consider mm-hmm. supporting them if you like our show or even if you hate our show and you listen despite us. Do you I know, know you're out there. That's on you. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be talking M21 today. Uh, the release coming up super, super quickly on Arena the 25th. And uh, even though it's a core set, there are some new tricky things that you're going to want to be aware of heading into the pre-release and then the release later on. And Judge Rob is always fantastic about letting us know what these tricky things are and getting us prepared for scenarios. So we go in educated, smarter and better than before. Um, But the way you like to start these uh, off, these review episodes off, Rob, is with a PSA generally. Yeah. Normally my PSAs are like, be nice to other people, don't yuck other people's yum kind of stuff. This time it is much, much more serious. Don't go to stores for pre-releases. I'm really begging you. Uh, the U.S. is kind of in a sucky place right now. And it, we were just mentioning how we aren't going out and seeing people. And it sucks. I, I know. I agree. I want to go out and play Magic with people. It's a face-to-face game. The social interaction is why we play. But... The the COVID plague is not. We've had 120,000 deaths in the U.S. from it. We have like 750 a day nationwide. It it's dangerous, and it's dangerous for other people because you could be carrying it, not know it, and you could be not symptomatic yet. So if you don't have to go to some place. Physically with a bunch of people, don't. Pick stuff up from your stores. Buy pre-release kits. Go play on spell tables. Spell tables, great. Um, get together with a bunch of your locals and or get together in a Discord chat and, you know, put your webcam in top-down mode and play some magic with other people top-down. But going into a place where you're crammed into a tight space with 30 other people to play magic is, I believe, a totally unacceptable risk. If you're looking... Oh. Yeah. Asking for disaster. Yeah. Just don't risk people. Don't risk yourself. Don't risk your friends. Don't risk your family. It's not worth it for for this game about being a, you know, space hopping wizard. <laughs> it, it's just a yeah. game, fundamentally. For Ikoria, we um, got pre-release kits from Lodestone Games, which mm-hmm. is our local game store. Um, and then we built them at our homes and then put them into Arena and played each other on Arena, which was a very fun way to play. Yeah, that was awesome. Mm-hmm. And like, no, it's not exactly the pre-release experience, but you know what? The pre-release experience will be there for you, you know, in the future at some point. Yeah. But not right now. Yep. Let's kick things off, Judge Rob, then, with some new mechanics uh, coming out with M21. I'm going to put new in quotations for this first one, but it kind of is. Yeah. So uh, the the new mechanic is something that's been in every set for a long time, which is mill. Uh, We use the word mill. We talk about the word mill. Now Wizards of the Coast is finally catching up. And (laughs) they're keywording mill. uh, To to pick out a card with it, Thieves Guild Enforcer. Single black for a 1-1. Flash. Whenever Thieves Guild Enforcer or another rogue enters the battlefield under your control, each opponent mills two cards. And milling is just taking the top card of the library and putting it into the graveyard. So they're just putting two cards from the library into the graveyard. And then Thieves Guild Enforcer also says, as long as an opponent has eight or more cards in their graveyard, Thieves Guild Enforcer gets plus two, plus one, and has death touch. So Thieves Guild Enforcer mills them for two. And I love it. I'm so happy yeah. they made this change. Uh, it, yeah. Having this, yeah, having this be a... Uh, keyword action is really good. It's 
it has some interesting trade-offs because mill comes from the card millstone from antiquities so they're not like describing the action at all it's just a magic word that you have to know um thieves guild enforcer i picked because it's the only one of the mill cards in the set without reminder text and so you might run into it and go well what is i mean if you're new and you haven't seen a bunch of these cards what does mill mean I think that they probably should have put Millstone in this set now that they're keywording it. They put it in the yeah. last four set, but not this one. And so I don't it like, but it's in this and it's in the, the uh, jumpstart stuff where Mill is now keyworded and they're going to go back and errata a bunch of cards as a result. Speaking of errata, uh, the next yeah. thing you want to talk about is a really exciting errata as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Um, so dog, <laughs> dogs exist. Uh, they're not like birds. Wait, what? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so uh, previously in Magic, anything that was a dog or looked dog-like was a hound. Uh, they made it back in Odyssey. They printed the first hound. And so they printed Patrol Hound, I think it was. And they decided to give it the creature type hound. And then the next one, they followed up with uh, another hound, another hound. And pretty soon they were locked in. Uh, but now they're just saying, uh, we made a mistake because cat folk are cats, but their dog folk have to be hounds, which doesn't make any sense because they're dogs. So they're <laughs> eroding every hound in the history of magic to be a dog. They're printing dog on all new cards going forward, and they're supporting it. They're having lords for it. Uh, so pack leader is a 2-2 for white and one, a creature dog. Other dogs you control get plus one, plus one. Whenever pack leader attacks, prevent all combat damage that will be dealt this turn to dogs you control. So they, it isn't anything new, except that they've never printed dog tribal lords before because they're kind of embarrassed about saying the word hound, I think. So. <laughs> embarrassed. Oh, really embarrassing word to say. Yeah. Megan, is your done, camera, yeah. speaking of cats and dogs, is your camera yeah. just focused on your cat, Megan? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. Okay, just checking. <laughs> yep. Like, I'll put it back on me eventually, but. Right now you get a cat. Exactly. She's why, sitting why, on most why, of the desk. So. Uh, so nothing personal, but I'd rather look at a cat than you most of the time anyways. So. <laughs> That's <laughs> I mean, fair. same, honestly, um, same. So returning mechanics, stuff that it's exactly the same or exactly-ish. Uh, prowess. Prowess is back. Uh, prowess is a static ability that's on creatures that generates a trigger. Uh, whenever you cast a non-creature spell, uh Everything with prowess you control gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. So if you look at Goblin Wizardry, it's an instant for red three. Uh, create two one one red goblin creature tokens with prowess. And then from then on, whenever you cast a non-creature spell, those tokens get plus one, plus one. <laughs> and prowess triggers from Planeswalkers, notably, which is a bit much bigger deal than the last time prowess was around. What it doesn't trigger from is mutating. Uh, mutating onto a creature doesn't look a lot like a creature, but it is casting a creature spell. So it's not going to trigger your prowess. You know what I like about this art, too? A lot of people have pointed out it looks like one goblin is farting and the other one is lighting its fart on fire. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what's happening. In a library. Like, in a library, just, yeah, of course. In, in a library. Yep. Where else would you do that sort of thing? In the yeah, privacy I mean, of your own home? <laughs> yeah, no, right. anywhere. They're goblins. They, they, they do, <laughs> do that anywhere and everywhere. The lunch table, you know, uh, their parents' house, your yeah. parents' house, like everywhere. Great point. Strangers' uh, parents' houses. Yep. Just random parents. They ask, are you a parent? Well, <laughs> well. <laughs> I got a trick for you. Uh, but <laughs> we're going to move on to the next thing. Uh, shrines. So Sanctum of All uh, is a shrine. Uh, shrines are uh, a theme that has been in one set before. Uh, Sanctable costs all colors, white, blue, black, or green. Legendary enchantment, shrine. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may search your library and or graveyard for a shrine card and put it onto the battlefield. If you search your library this way, shuffle it. If an ability of another shrine you control triggers while well, you control six or more shrines, that ability triggers an additional time. So... Shrine is an enchantment subtype like aura or not really anything else. You're talking about auras when you're talking about enchantment subtypes. Um, shrines are a legendary enchantment group that were last printed in Kamigawa block. They were just added to Arena in Arena Historic. And Sanctum of All rewards you for having a bunch of shrines. Um, 
something to note. Shrine, when Sanctum of All talks about shrines, it's talking about the card type shrine. It's not talking about cards with shrine in the name. Godless shrine is not a shrine. <laughs> S- good to know. Yep. Uh, good point. Relevant in standard, apparently, <laughs> for the next few months. So uh, you can't search for godless shrine when Sanctum of All tells you to find a shrine. That's funny. And, I would not have even thought of that. Yep. It's... <laughs> It's a choice that they made. Um, the The thing with Sanctum of All is it gives you a bonus trigger on these shrines. Um, of all the shrines that have ever been printed, there are uh, five, six, seven, eight, nine shrines that have triggered abilities. Two of the new ones do not have triggered abilities. They have activated abilities. Uh, you can tell triggered abilities because they say when, whenever, or at. Sanctum of All says at the beginning of your upkeep. Most of the shrines do that. They have an at the beginning of the upkeep trigger, but two of the new shrines don't. They have they have other things, and they have activated abilities. And so Sanctum of All doesn't doesn't boost the I believe the white and the red shrines are the other two shrines that don't have that. Yeah, the red shrine has one discard a land or shrine card, and the white shrine has uh, white five colon uh, tap target creature. So those don't have triggered abilities. They aren't doubled by the Sanctum. Well, I, I think it's they... about Shrine. Somebody told us all of this information, Ralph. <laughs> well, I'm well, sorry. Well, you could have had me on yesterday. We could have recorded well... earlier. <laughs> uh, so that's the the big headlining multi-card new stuff. There's one card that is a returning mechanic. It's buried down into the individual card stuff for me because it's one card and I didn't want to clutter up phasing and the returning mechanics up front. I just want to talk about that one to vary itself. Okay. <laughs> so let's head into some like individual cards then that you think are worth talking about here f- for yeah. uh, kind of tricksy things that people might encounter. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to start from some comments. Uh, Crypt Flicker. Black and three for a horror. Uh, three, four. When it enters the battlefield, you may sacrifice a creature or discard a creature card. If you do, draw a card. Your opponents can't respond in the middle of this. Once you've made your choice, they can't respond. So if you choose to sacrifice a creature, you'll be able to sacrifice a creature. If, if they can't, they can't blow you out as a result. So you can't like choose to sacrifice a creature, they kill your only other creature, and then you're forced to sacrifice Crypt Lurker. No. They, if, if they let the trigger resolve, you do the whole thing. And so they don't get the chance to like stomp on you, force you to discard or sacrifice creatures to, to blow you in, in the middle of this result. Uh, which is not going to be necessarily obvious to people. This art is something I could do without. Yeah, I figured this would be one of your one of your troublesome ones. It's That's good, true. It's, Although it's, the winner is already the winner and will always be the winner. <laughs> so, Frantic Inventory. Frantic Inventory is an instant. It's one of a long line of instants that count, or one of a long line of spells that count spells at the same time. Blue and one, instant, draw a card. Then draw cards equal to the number of cards named Frantic Inventory in your graveyard. Uh, notably, Frantic Inventory checks that number on resolution. So if I cast Frantic Inventory and you cling to dust the other one into my graveyard, I'll draw one card and then none, because I did no bonus ones, because I didn't have any Frantic Inventories. So your opponent does get the chance to, to puzzle out how much you would be drawing as long as they respond to the spell. Can I ask you a question, Rob? Yeah. Why does this kind of spell ask you or like let them respond to it and the previous one didn't? So they could respond to the trigger on Crypt Lurker. Um, so they could say, kill, if, if you cast Crypt Lurker, it's your only creature. They could kill the Crypt Lurker and then you can't sacrifice a creature, right? But the it, it's the in the middle. You, you didn't make that choice until during the resolution of Crypt Lurker. Uh, this, they're responding to the same kind of a thing where they it's going to do all of its text at the time that it resolves, but they don't, you don't get to just skip ahead to frantic inventory resolving and it doesn't check based on frantic inventory being in the graveyard at the time that the spell is cast, for instance. Okay, so great. Th- they do get to respond to both, but they, they, they don't get to like, they don't get to break it up in the middle either. So for frantic inventory, if they let you draw the card, then they don't get to respond after that to, to get the frantic inventory in the graveyard. Okay. They had something that was like exile cards equal to the number of exile cards from a graveyard equal to the number of cards in target opponent's hand or something. That'd be a weird and dumb card and I would never print that. But <laughs> Well, never say never. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. 
Um, I'm going to skip that one. Uh, Ornery Dilapthosaur. Uh, Ornery Dilapthosaur is a 2-2 for green and 3 creature dinosaur with death touch. And whenever it attacks, if you control a creature with power 4 or greater, Ornery Dilapthosaur gets plus 2, plus 2 until end of turn. <laughs> uh, two things with the Ornery Dilapthosaur. Dilophosaur. Dilophosaur. I'm just going to call it. I'm going to call it the pickle source because it looks kind of like a pickle and it says dill. It does look like a pickle. So when the pickle source, when you go to combat with the pickle source in the battlefield and you go to attack with it, it attacks. This trigger goes in the stack. It has an intervening if it'll it checks before it goes in the stack if you have a big enough creature. If that creature is or, is the Picklesaurus, then it will trigger from itself, and it'll give itself plus two, plus two, to become a six, six, if it was just a four, four. If it triggers from something else, they could let the trigger go on the stack and then kill that other creature. Uh, the trigger will check again during resolution to see whether or not you still have something with four power. And, which means they can lock you into attacking so they can block you and trade with it because it is death touch, so they're always going to die to it. But... Just be aware that sometimes they'll respond to the trigger and blow you water arena because there's a couple of pieces of instant speed removal in the set. Oh, that's cool. Okay, that's a good good one to know. Yeah. Picklesaurus. Picklesaurus. Because I can't pronounce whatever the whatever the actual name is. So it's just the Picklesaurus. Uh, so track down. Uh, track down is green and one for a sorcery. Scry three, then reveal the top card of your library. If it's a creature or land card, draw a card. And it explains Scry, and you don't need that. Uh, just like the previous ones we talked about, they can't respond in the middle. If they let you Scry, then it's an uninterrupted. You get to look at the cards, put them back, and then reveal the top card. They can't respond by milling you if they have an instant speed mill card. They could do it, but it'd be before the spell starts to resolve, so then you still do the whole spell afterwards. Uh, Archfiend's Vessel. Archfiend's Vessel is a 1-1 human cleric for single black. It has lifelink. And when it enters a battlefield, if it entered from your graveyard or you cast it from your graveyard, exile. If you do create a 5-5 black demon creature token with flying. Oh, this card's awesome. This card's, yeah. It, um, it's just obviously designed in the universe with Lurus of the Dream Den being a, a playable magic card. And, I mean, you could probably just play it with Lurus in your library anyways, but... Um, the thing with Archfiend's Vessel is it's a big ability is a triggered ability. So it's going to enter the battlefield, the trigger's going to go on the stack, and they can kill it in response. And it has this if-you-do clause in the middle. So you have to actually take it from the battlefield and exile it in order to get a demon. If it isn't on the battlefield because they kill it with a shock, then you can't exile it and you won't get a demon token. So they can blow you out by responding to this trigger on Archfiend's Vessel. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, may come up, may be a reasonable play. This might be a real card. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> Canopy Stalker. Canopy Stalker is a sweet cat. It's a it's a four two for green and three. Canopy Stalker must be blocked if able. When Canopy Stalker dies, you gain one life for each creature that died this turn. So there's a surprising number of ways to give things menace in the last like couple sets. If you give Canopy Stalker Menace, it must be blocked. So they have to block it with two creatures. Because it can't be blocked by only one creature because it is Menace. But it must be blocked if able. So if they have two creatures and Canopy Stalker is Menace and is attacking them, they have to block with both of them. And why nice. wouldn't you? Look at how beautiful this cat is. It's like purple. It's got like pink spots. Yep. It's. It has a mohawk. It has a mohawk. It actually probably belongs in Ikoria. Um... The other thing I'm, is that you can yeah. see it killing two creatures right there in the art. Yeah. It's going to kill both of those deer, <laughs> which is its plan. I want this cat's hair. I would I would have this hair. Megan, this definitely seems like hair you would have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would have this hair. Yeah, this, this is your hair. Maybe you could go for a cosplay as Canopy Stalker. Yeah. 2021. <laughs> Perfect. At a magic tournament. <laughs> Oh, I feel bad for these little antelopes, though. Yeah. They're really cute. Uh, Silver Smoke Ghoul. Silver Smoke Ghoul is a 3-1 for black and 2. It's a creature zombie vampire. 
I just read that type line and I don't know why it exists, but that is what it is. I don't know how you can be both things, like, legally. Right. <laughs> like, you can't be undead two ways. Then you're I just mean, an undead and that means you're alive again? Then I don't you're know. alive. <laughs> yeah, undead times undead equals a lot. The math checks out. Yeah. Yep. Um, but Silver Smoke Ghoul says, at the beginning of your end step, if you gained three or more life this turn, return Silver Smoke Ghoul from your graveyard to the battlefield tap. And then has black and one sacrifice it to draw a card. Uh, so the trick of Silver Smoke Ghoul is it's not net life gain or life loss. It's did you gain that life? So if your opponent lightning bolts you, so you lose three life, and then you play healing south, so you gain three life, you've gained three life, and that'll be enough to trigger Silver Smoke Ghoul. Even though your net gain or loss was zero at the end, he doesn't care about the net gain or loss. He cares about did you have a life gain event that gained you three life? Uh and it's your end step, not any end step. So you can try to get tricky with like lifelink blockers and them attacking you and stuff, but it isn't going to do anything uh, because it only triggers in your end step. Uh, Unleash Fury. Unleash Fury is super cool. It's guy punching a minotaur. Wish I was baller <laughs> enough to punch a minotaur. <laughs> uh, but yeah. it's an instant for red and one. Doubles the power of target creature until end of turn. This takes the current power and adds that power to it again. If that power is negative for some reason, it'll double the negative. So if it's a minus one, two, it'll become a minus two, two. <laughs> because that is how math works. Correct. Math. You just multiply it by two. Uh, the other thing is it doubles the current power. If you have a two, two, you attack, you unleash fury, it, it becomes a four, two, and then you giant growth it, it'll be a seven, two. Because and you why did you do two. it in that order? <laughs> and, you'll, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then you'll sit and think about why. It, it, life's complicated. Sometimes you misclick. Uh, Fair enough. I embroidered that uh, on a pillow once. <laughs> sometimes you misclick. Yep. Uh, so uh, there's a couple of rares that have a pretty similar thing going on. So I'm going to mention both of them and talk about uh, talk about what they do. A Baron Telerian Archmage is a 2-2 for blue, blue, and 1. Legendary Creature Human Wizard. When Baron Tlaren Archmage enters the battlefield, we'll turn up to one other target creature or planeswalker to its owner's hand. And at the beginning of your end step, if a permanent was put into your hand from the battlefield, let's turn, draw a card. We also have Gadrak the Crown Scourge, which is uh, a 5-4 for red and 2, legendary creature dragon. That's flying, and it can't attack unless you control 4 or more artifacts. At the beginning of your end step, create a treasure token for each non-token creature that died this turn. I am really upset by this dragon's face. He's. It looked like he got punched in his face a couple of times. Yeah, it it looks like. Yeah, it. I don't. I don't know what happened here, but I'm not a fan. It's. It's also a cool perspective trick. He feels bigger than other dragons because he's so close. You know. Yes. Um, even though he's actually probably smaller than a lot of dragons, if you go look at like scale birds and stuff because that's his head next to a corpse, right? Yeah. So the, uh, yeah, and that corpse is normal, normal right. corpse size, and he's he looks like normal, normal to smaller dragon size. Yeah, it, it's an interesting piece. Uh, but yes, uh, regardless, they both have this at the beginning of your end step. Do a thing based on the stuff that happened this turn. Uh, they count the stuff that happened before they entered the battlefield because they care about the total number of things that that type happened. So if you attack with a couple of two twos, they block with a couple of two twos. They trade and you cast Gadrak. Uh, then you'll make four treasures because four things died this turn because all the two twos trade. Uh, same with Baron. If you bounce a creature and then like if you if you bounce Baron and then replay him, uh, he will see that he bounced earlier in the turn. <laughs> even if you didn't bounce another, even if you didn't bounce yeah. another one of your permanents. Um, and so both of them care about the stuff that happened before they entered the battlefield. They care about the total. Did this happen and how many times it happened this turn? They're rares. They're smart enough to see the past. It's true. Their commons are too. Technically, Silver Smoke Rule does the same thing. Um, if it <laughs> enters, if if you give it lifelink and attack with it, and it dies, it'll see that that lifelink happened and then pick itself back up. Yeah. So that's a thing you can sometimes do with Silver Smoke Rule. Nine lives. Nine lives is an enchantment for white, white, and one, with incredible Paul Scott uh, Paul Scott Canavan art. Uh, he actually released a template. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, we did. So you yeah. can put your own kitty cat in this. Yeah. Yes, so um, good. 
So it's an enchantment. It has hexproof. If its source would deal damage to you, prevent that damage and put an incarnation counter on nine lives. When there are nine or more incarnation counters on it, exile. When it leaves the battlefield, you lose the game. And, yep, uh, people have been talking about a combo with this where you, like, donate it to your opponent and then bounce it, and then it kills them. Uh, <laughs> also, if you have Solemnity, which prevents counters being placed on things, you are mostly indestructible. Uh, the Great. other other thing is in multiplayer, if you donate to your opponent, then you're now in a mutual destruction path. Because if some, if another player kills you, you take your nine lives with you when you die. <laughs> and then it triggers because it left the battlefield and they control the trigger. So they die. Great. So um, be prepared to have adorable kittens kill you in Zedrid the Great Heart. I just love that like all of the cats in the back are like these big like noble lions and yeah. panthers and then like the cat in the front is like a house cat yeah <laughs> and these are all famous cats from magic's uh history as well behind this kitty cat this art is so good I yeah. really A+. love it this it, this is probably the best art in the set but yeah there's some contenders yeah, it's so good. It's so good. So we have a reprint with some weird stuff going on. Ruined Halo. It's an enchantment for white-white. As it enters the battlefield, choose a card name. You can name any magic card. Do you wish to name Nameless Race? You can name Nameless Race. Uh, <laughs> probably name a card that you think your opponent has. Uh, you have protection from the chosen card name. And Ruined Halo has reminder text. It says you can't be targeted, dealt damage, or enchanted by anything with that name. So they can't curse you. Uh, they can't uh, cast. If you choose Lightning Bolt, they can't Lightning Bolt. Uh, what this doesn't do, it doesn't protect your stuff. If they have, if you name murder, they can still murder your creature because your creature isn't you. And, and but it, they can't murder you. Correct. They can't, <laughs> they can't murder you. Uh, if you have, if you name murder with Runealo, something's going on. Um, <laughs> either you misunderstood it or you're doing something tricky. Um, the other thing is it doesn't prevent them from attacking. It doesn't prevent them from attacking your planeswalkers. It, they can still attack. It just, if they're attacking you, their creature won't deal damage to you. Uh, but it doesn't save your stuff. So if they attack you with like a 4-4 four, four and you block with a 2-2, two, two, your 2-2 two, is still going to die. If their 4-4 four, four is trample, they'll try to trample over and it won't deal you any damage. It prevents that damage. But it doesn't stop the thing entirely. Rune Halo just does a bunch of weird random stuff. Like, they can't it like uh, they they won't be able to to attack you uh, to to deal you damage to their creatures their planeswalkers some random things will target you some things won't like it's you have to really look at what's going on with the different cards to see whether or not Rune Halo does anything it's a very conditional card. <laughs> Maria, you don't like Rune Halo. No, I don't. People play it against me in modern when I'm playing Poggles, and I hate them. There you go. <laughs> You could be playing the new Gem Razor in your Boggles deck. It looks like an aura. <laughs> it's not. That's true. I could do that. I could definitely do that. <laughs> so, Sublime Epiphany. Uh, this this is the other contender for best art in the set. I would this say. art is this art so is, it's phenomenal. Cool. Yeah. Um, so, blue, blue four for an instant. Choose one or more. Counter target spell. Counter target activated or triggered ability. Return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand. Create a token that's a copy of target creature you control, or target player draws a card. Uh, so, it does... It has... Mark Rosewater said, this card has 31 different modes. Uh, target player draws a card is almost always getting it picked. Right? Like, uh, you would have to you would have to be very... Uh, in a very weird situation to choose counter-target spell, but not draw a card. So it doesn't... It basically just has draw a card under what's going on in the, in the text <laughs> box. Um, stuff with this. It doesn't prevent other things from triggering. So in order to get to counter a spell and counter an activated or triggered ability, it usually has to be a thing that triggers from that spell being cast. So you can counter both Ulamog and Ulamog's trigger. Uh, the return target non-land permanent can be theirs or yours. The created a token that's a copy of target creature you control is only yours, but they both target. Um, this is a weird thing that doesn't come up much, but if 
the, if something ceases to exist in the middle of a spell resolving, it's fine. The spell will will use information about that thing as it was last on the battlefield in order to to do what it does. Spells only check if their counter if their targets are legal when you go to cast them if you can legally target them. And at the very beginning of resolution, they say before we go any further, um, I'm only going to do stuff to the things that are legal targets right now. Stuff that changes <laughs> later on in casting of the or in the resolution of the spell won't impact it. So if you bounce your own creature and copy it you will get a copy of the creature and the bounce one into your hand. It's a really long way to say that. Um, it does what you <laughs> want, basically. It and should for that amount of mana. Well, <laughs> I mean, they've printed they've printed a lot of blanks at six mana, historically. <laughs> uh, dis- I, I will cast this card just to look at the I know art. you're going to open it, yeah. Megan. I know you're going to open it. <laughs> I hope you're right. I hope you're right. I just have a feeling. Um, discontinuity. Discontinuity is an instant for blue, 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 and three. And it says as long as it's your turn, this spell costs blue, blue, two less to cast. Which means that you can cast it for just, you know, for, for, for the low, low cost of blue and one, right? That, wow. I mean, that's got to be good, right? What a deal. Um, Seems great. It, it only has three other words. <laughs> End the turn. Oh, wait a second. So, uh, this is one of the most complicated things that uh, that a spell can do in Magic. There's only a couple other spells that do this. Uh, there's three other cards that say end of the turn off. Um, so, the way discontinuity works is it it spells it out in the reminder text, but if you have the, the special fancy elite version that doesn't have reminder text, it's going to exile everything on the stack and go to your cleanup step, basically. Um it skips right over the end step directly to clean up, and it excels everything that's on the stack right now. Uh, it's a really good counter spell. If your opponent casts a Teferi, you can just end the turn with that Teferi on the stack, and it's gone into exile forever. Uh, it also exiles itself, so if you want to, if you're trying to do shenanigans where you like loop it and return it to your hand to get time walks, it doesn't doesn't really do that because it exiles itself as part of part of ending the turn. Uh, because you go straight to clean up, anything that triggers at end of turn won't trigger. Um, because or they because they we, you've skipped over the end of turn step. You will have to discard the hand size, or your opponent will have to discard if you ended the turn on their turn. And um, any damage wears off, this turn effects and so stuff giant growth until end of turn. Target creature gets plus three plus three. That wears off too. Uh, it's super cool. Uh, it actually might make Sundial the infinite decks a thing in Pioneer as as long as you're willing to lose a lot, but uh, I have a question though. Is this like an insurance policy card? Like if somebody's trying to kill you in like modern or whatever, and they're trying to combo off and you're like, turn's done. So it's, it's like time stop. It costs the same amount of time stop six mana. So if you use it on their turn, it costs six. Um, the, the secret thing is because it only costs two mana on your turn. It allows you to like exile your triggers or like skip over things that you don't want to have happen. Um, so if you have a triggered ability that's really detrimental to you, there's um, uh, red, white, one creatures you control gain indestructible, and at the end of take your an next extra turn, turn. You lose the game. Oh yeah. yeah, and take an extra turn. Uh, yeah, you can put that trigger on the stack and exile it by ending your turn. Okay, nice. Um, it, it there's also you can use this with Uro. So if you uh, cast Uro from your hand. Uh, he puts two triggers in the stack. He puts a he puts a draw, put a land, gain three trigger, and he puts a you didn't escape this trigger on the stack. He's on the battlefield. You can you put the escape trigger on the stack, draw your card, put your land out, gain your three life, and then respond to his trigger by discontinuitying to end the turn. Nice. Which leaves you with an Uro, and you didn't have to pay as much for this. Um, so it a lot of times the end of the turn stuff is about like doing weird weird stuff on your own turn in order to opt out of things that you didn't really want to be doing. But because this lets you do both, it lets you it lets you like exile their stuff as a as a big expensive counter spell or then sometimes get it to tri- to pay off your own triggers. So uh, Mangara, the diplomat. Mangara is a legendary creature, human cleric for white and three. Mangara is a two four. He has lifelink. And whenever an opponent attacks with creatures, if two or more of 
those creatures are attacking you and or planeswalkers you control. Draw a card. Whenever an opponent casts their second spell each turn, draw a card. Yes. Thank so, you. So if you wanna if you wanna punish your opponent for doing stuff, Vengara punishes them for doing stuff. He says All I wanna do is punish someone for playing light up the stage. Wow. Just because Red tried to be blue once. Jeez. Yep. Look, I, I'm not here for it. I'm not having it. Yeah, I, I can understand it. Um, the the attack component of Bangara uh, checks if they split their attackers up. Uh, he has so many words to make sure that even if they split their attackers up, one creature attacks you, one creature attacks your Gideon, he'll still trigger. Um, also, if that trigger goes in the stack and one of those creatures ceases to exist, gets killed, gets bounced, whatever, uh, Mangara will say, you did attack with two creatures. Um, and so he will trigger from those. If one of those creatures stops being in combat because you use Maze of Skophos to remove it from combat, uh, then, uh, it, then he won't trigger, or his trigger won't resolve any of your cards because those creatures aren't attacking you anymore. And so... Um, it's a little weird that that happens. I think the maze does that. No, that maze, if it yeah. doesn't remove them from combat. Um, I, I appreciate yeah. that he looks like he signs so many treaties that it's not even a big deal. It just looks <laughs> like he's like dropping this one to the side. Cause he's just like, I signed so many treaties. He's got like a queue of treaties on one side and like an out, he's got like an inbox and an outbox. Exactly. It's just like, oh, another. Yeah. <laughs> That's that is a really weird stance. That, what That's is my interpretation of what's going on in that art. <laughs> Let me just drop this on the floor. What? Yeah, like because it's just like, oh, I'm just so good at the, being a diplomat. <laughs> Teferi, Master of Time. Uh, yeah. Teferi is blue, blue, two for a legendary planeswalker. Teferi starts with three loyalty. Uh, he has a static ability. Uh, because that's never gone awry in Planeswalkers before. Uh, you may activate loyalty abilities of Teferi Master of Time on any player's turn any time you could cast it. Oh, beautiful. Um, we'll talk about that in a second. Plus one, draw a card, then discard a card. Minus three, target creature you don't control phases out. Minus ten, take two extra turns after this one. Great. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So uh, let's talk about his more simple ability. Uh, you can activate his loyalty abilities on other players' turns. Um, if you activate a loyalty ability of a thing, you can only activate one loyalty ability of that thing per turn, no matter whose turn it is. But you can activate on my turn and then on your turn. So Teferi lets you, like, plus one. He, he comes down with about five loyalty for a four-mana planeswalker. Um, his minus three is target creature you don't control phases out. So... The reminder text is treat it and anything attached to it as though they don't exist until it's controller's next turn. So phasing. Sure. Phasing. <laughs> oh boy. This is this is the second card to ever be printed with reminder text for phasing. Oh wow. It was Fun the, fact. It was the block mechanic in it it was a block mechanic in Mirage Block, and they thought it was too complicated to print reminder text. <laughs> Oh, so that's incredible. In, in, in Mirage Block, there was no reminder text for phasing on any cards. But on Teferi's Protection and now on Teferi, there's reminder text for this mechanic. Uh, what phasing does is it makes the creature cover its eyes and say, la la la, you don't exist, I can't hear you. Um, and anything attached to it goes along with it. Um, it sits on the battlefield ignoring any, except for stuff that specifically refer to phased out cards. And at the beginning of the that play at, at the beginning of its controllers next on tap step, it it phases back in before untapping happens. So if it was tapped, it'll phase in and then untap. Wow. The stuff yep. that's attached to it, or as equipment fortifications, uh, will phase out with it, and it will phase in with the stuff still attached to it. So you don't knock off or as a Um, they. If you played with phasing in the past, phasing has had several major rules updates underneath it. Um, if you played with phasing back in the year 2000 or so, phasing triggered leaves playabilities, but not comes into playabilities. Don't ask me why. They decided that was the way they wanted it to work, and it worked that way. It does not do that. 
If the creature does not leave play, it doesn't trigger anything for leaving play abilities. If you played a phase of the past, you don't remember it right because they not not because you don't remember it, but because they changed it in the intervening time. Um, if you played up until Teferi's protection was printed, um, phasing things out that were tokens, tokens could never come back. And if you phased out a piece of equipment attached to a token with it, the token would be gone forever because it only phased back in based on the base permanent phasing back. Uh, because tokens couldn't phase out, uh, which meant Reality Ripple killed Batter Skull and Legacy. That stopped being true. So if you remember, you used phasing out tokens to kill equipment, not not a thing anymore. I'm just going to go... F- Can I make a motion that this yeah. is called Tafori, Master of Time? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, great. Thanks, everybody, for um, coming to my TED Talk. Um, th- three fairy Tafori. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you target a token with Tafori, that token will phase out, and it will phase back in normal. Uh, okay. It, it used to be that tokens, if they phased out, cease to exist. That's not the case anymore. If you All phase right. out a mutate stack, it comes back as the mutate stack, regardless of whether or not the top the top objects are token. Um, gotcha. Uh, this this behaves the way that you might intuitively think, but this was not this is not necessarily intuitively. Well, it's not blink and it's not flicker, yeah. which I think is important. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It doesn't trigger leaf's play. It doesn't trigger comes into play. The creature just hides for a little while. You put a it cup was, on top of it and ignore it. You put a it was made in Mirage, so it's as if for a turn, maybe you thought it was a Mirage. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, is it there? I don't know. And then it comes back and you're like, it's it is there. <laughs> yeah. That's that's as good of an explanation as any of face. I mean <laughs> Well, yeah. thank you so much, Judge Rob, yeah, for coming welcome. on and letting us know all of this about M21. Yeah. And like you said, little tricky stuff hidden in there, um, despite the fact that it's a core set. But yep. overall, it looks like a really fun set. Yeah, it looks fun. It looks like there's a lot of stuff going on. This has a uh, this has Gaggle Master. That is is that the best card name of the year? It's Even a very Gaggle? good card. It's name. really good. It's very very good. Um, um, yeah, you know, you know, someone is your friend when they will tell you to stay home during a pandemic and explain phasing to you. <laughs> so thank you to Great be- for being a friend to us and to all listeners of Good Luck High Five. Yeah, that's. I want I I want you all to survive. You're all my friends, so yeah. don't don't get COVID. Take it take it from us. We want you to survive. (laughs) (laughs) It is time to name the cutest and grossest card of M21. That's right. Look, I told you what grossest card was going to be when we saw it. And do you know what? It it did not change. Uh, It is, in fact, still potentially the grossest card of all time. I'm so upset. Peer into the abyss. I'm done looking at it. Peer into the abyss. Grossest card potentially of all time. Um, Great. Great it choice. Is so, it is so disgusting. It's awful. It is so disgusting. But Maria, well, cutest card this time around. Yeah, let's do a palette cleanser because cutest card, there was a lot of options. There were I, a lot of options. Very cute set, M21. Mm-hmm. And I know I said that I thought it was going to be Rin and Sari. And mm-hmm. they're, for, they're certainly a runner-up um, mm-hmm. because they are adorable. Um, but you've got so many cute doggos and cattos running around in this set. You've got stuff like pack leader with his glorious little beard you've got selfless savior which is just a really excited floppy mutt uh that's here to save you oh he's so floppy you've got pride melkin which is a cute little green king who's strutting she's strutting Melkin is so cute pride melkin is strutting um you know like get out um, but I feel like there's one cutest card that is head and tail <laughs> above the rest, and that is nine lives. Congratulations. Nine lives. So you are the cute. cutest card of M21. So cute. It's the cutest like thing I've ever seen. A beautiful little house kitty surrounded by uh, cats of magic history looking very oh. regal, but yet very small. <laughs> and that's spelled S-M-O-W, by the way. Yeah, obviously. Wait, S-M-O-L. What did I say? S-M-O-W. 
small. It's very small. Okay, that is what I meant, I guess. That turns out. <laughs> it is a small one. Um, yeah, Nine Lives is wonderful. And the artist, by the way, did release a version of this uh, card art that has the cat out of the middle. So you can put your own kitty cat into this art. Uh, I love so it. you've got to. It's Scott Canavan is the artist. And uh, he said that on Twitter, but I'm pretty sure you can find it somewhere else on the internet. Yeah. So big thumbs up, uh, Paul Scott Canavan. Excuse me. Paul, this is the cutest so, card. So cute. Well, everybody, that's our show. Yeah, thanks again to Judge Rob for coming here and for Molly for providing the background meows yep, throughout yes. the whole thing. <laughs> really, through the, the whole thing. You were, she's, got, she's got a lot to say, you know? She really wants to go outside. Oh, okay. Well, we'll let Molly go out. Thank you to everyone who supports the show over on patreon.com slash glhfmagic. You're amazing. Take three minutes and become a patron if you go to the show every week. I think uh, I it'll we make you feel awesome. Talk to everyone who's already patrons and be like, take three minutes and congratulate yourself oh, for that like too. a full three minutes. <laughs> you know, you seriously. Really to stop and appreciate you you do you do look in the mirror the next time you're in the bathroom and be like uh -huh. this is time for my three minute appreciation speech and just like go at it for three minutes yeah that's what i think agree i strong agree and uh thank you to once again to card kingdom for being our sponsor and we're so excited for m21 get out there yeah. and play it comes out on thursday uh hit that draft button um and you know just have a have a good time have a good yeah. time because yeah the world is a little little terrible right now and that's an understatement and but you're a lot great so you yeah know. there you go there you're you a go. lot great <laughs> <laughs>